I invite you to turn to the book of Romans with me this morning, chapter 3, Romans chapter 3. And while you're turning there, I need to let you know something. I need to let you know that I have a problem. (laughs) Matter of fact, it's a big problem. But I'm not alone because every one of you have the same problem. Isn't that awesome? Well, (laughs) it's not really awesome, but it's a problem. What is the problem? That's the problem. That little three-letter word is a big problem. It always has been. It always will be. Now, notice this verse, chapter 3 and verse 23. We all could quote it. Most of us could. Romans 3 and verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All. You know what that word means in Greek? It means all. (laughs) All of us. Literally all of us collectively. Every single one of us who've ever lived, who's ever been created by a holy God, we have inherited the sin nature of Adam. Romans chapter 5, just a couple of chapters over. That's the context. The first eight verses of Romans is giving us theology of our sin and that we must be justified by faith in Christ. We're sinners. We live in a culture today where all the kids' sports teams get a trophy. You know, they, they not only have to be the a good player or the best player, they all get a trophy. That's awesome. That's good. They get the participation trophy, right? They've all participated. You get a trophy. Well, guess what? With this sin issue, we're all participants. We're all in trouble. But look, with this sin thing, it it is so pervasive. It is so prevalent. It is so... Mm. Penetra- is penetrating the globe. Planet Earth, if you haven't noticed, is drowning in sin. We've got a problem. It is a sin problem. Why? Because, look at the verse again, because all have sinned. That's all of us, right? We've all sinned and we've fallen short of the glory of God. Well, What is sin? Most of you know. You know theologically what sin is. You probably know what the word means, but I thought I'd illustrate it with you a little bit today. Where's my pre-planned volunteer? Nelson, where are you at? Is Nelson here? There he is. Come up here, Nelson. I didn't have to twist his arm too much. Hurry, Nelson. We got got to get moving here, man. (laughs) 
All right, Nelson, why don't you stand? Why don't you stand right here? Right here. Okay? Uh, now face this way. There you go. Face, there you go. All right. Now, we're going to do a little thing with Nelson here that's going to illustrate sin. You know what sin means, right? Hey, Nelson, how you doing, man? Good. This, oh, I forgot to give you your, your target. Man, you've got a target here. Big target. Huge target. Put it right there. Hold it right there. Don't move. Oh, wait. Yeah, you might ought to. No, that wouldn't be good. Hold it over here. Like that. There you go. Hold it way over there. Now, hold it. Yeah. Okay. I've never used one of these before. Never shot one. Let's pray for Nelson. Lord, thank you for Nelson's life. No. To live as Christ, to die is gain, right? What's the wages of sin? Death. I'm not going to really shoot it. You thought I was going to shoot it. But if I did shoot it, I'd probably miss it. That's what sin is. Thank you, Nelson. Go ahead. That's what sin is. It's missing the target. It's falling short. Look at this verse again. It is falling short. It is wandering. It is straying. It is veering off course. That's what my arrow would have done if I would have shot it. It would have not hit the target. To fail to reach God's standard, to be disobedient to His Word, that's sin. And all of us are participants. Why can't we live in just one big, happy world? Have you ever wondered that? Why? Why can't we just live in one big, happy world? Sin. That's why we can't. Why do we need borders and laws and police and lawyers? Why Why can't we just get a law? That's why. Say it with me. Sin. Sin is why. Why do we fight and murder and war and rape and steal? Why do we kill our unborn children? Why? Because of sin. I'm a sinner. And every single one of you are sinners. All of us. We're falling short. Listen, this is not a popular message, is it? How many of you like to be called sinners? Do you like to be called a sinner? I don't like to be called a sinner. Many pastors won't preach about sin anymore because it's too offensive. It's not politically correct. It's, it's not the kind of message that that meshes with 21st century intelligent thought. However, the Bible says that our sins have separated us from God to the point where He will not even hear us. Isaiah 59 and verse 2. The Bible says that our heart in Jeremiah 17, 9 is desperately sick. Desperately sick. 
The fact is that we are all one big human race of sinners. Look at the verse again. Let's let's observe it and interpret it. Exegete it. Try to draw out from God's word what he's saying to us this morning. And then let's apply it to our lives. First of all, four. Four is a... I don't like grammar very much. You may not either. But it's good to know some grammar. It helps us understand... God's word, the word for is a preposition, as you probably know, and it means to pass through. It means that you're, you're going from one place to another. It indicates a person that is moving towards something. And Paul says to the believers in Rome, for you're moving towards a direction, and that's sin. And then he says for All. We've already talked about that. That's all of us collectively. All of us. And then he says, have sinned. Obviously, that's past tense. But it has, in the Greek language, it has future consequences. You have sinned. You are sinning. You will sin. The voice of this verb phrase, have sinned, is active, meaning that the subject is the performer or the doer of the action under consideration. What have we done? We have sinned. We're active participants. And the mood of this verb phrase, have sinned, is indicative, meaning that it is just a matter of fact that you have sinned. Then he says, fall short. Demonstrated that. Means, again, to miss the mark. It's present tense. Literally, The phrase says, falling short. You are falling, present tense. You are falling short. Have sinned. You are sinning. You will sin. We're falling short. Present tense, continuous action. We're still falling short. The word means to be in want or to lack or to fail, to measure up to God's standard. We've missed the bullseye. The bullseye is God's standard. We fall short of that. Time. After time, after time of what? Of the glory. Look at what he says, of the glory of God. The word doxa means God's opinion or his estimate of us. What does he think about us? Well, we have missed the mark. We are falling short of God's standard. We're not bringing him glory when we are disobedient to God, theos, the supreme and only true living God. The God of our Bible. The God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David and Isaiah and Daniel and all the prophets. When we sin, it is sinning against a holy God. The God of this book. You're sinning against God when we fall short. And we fail to bring Him glory. Well, we've observed this book sought to interpret it, this verse. We need to apply it to our lives, right? That's the ultimate goal of Bible study, is to apply it, make application of it to our life. What? And that begs the question, what does this verse 
mean to me? What does it mean? What do I see? What does it mean to me and to you? Well, I love my parents. I hope and pray you do too. And the last thing I want to do is disappoint my parents. When I was a child, I didn't want to disappoint them. As I grew into adulthood, I did not want to disappoint my parents. But I know I have. And I'll probably continue to. But I don't want to. So the last thing we should want to do in our life as a follower of Christ is to disappoint our Heavenly Father. And so that's what sin does in our lives. It takes away, it detracts from God being glorified in our lives. God's opinion of us is less than what it could be because of our disobedience, because of our sin. God says, I love you, my child, with an everlasting love. Jeremiah tells us that. First Peter says that we're a chosen race. We're a holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. But you are falling short. You are restricting my blessing upon your life if we choose to sin. You are bringing dishonor upon my name. And I'm brokenhearted about what you are doing. This is God, how he feels, his opinion, and how you are living your life. Because he says, for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All of the strife and the war and the hate in this world are a direct result of our fallen nature. Our sinful nature, which has a propensity to be selfish and to rebel. The Bible is a story of God's remedy for our sin. Somebody shout hallelujah. The Bible gives us the remedy. Jesus is our Savior. He is our Lord. He is our King, as we sang about. We give our lives to Him. He deals with our sin problem. The Bible is a story of God's remedy for our sin. It's chalked full of stories of people sinning and then turning their back on a gracious God. And, and then judgment comes from God. And the people's repentance comes. And then God forgives the people. And then the people fall right back into their sin. This constant roller coaster of this pattern of repeated rebellion. Over and over, time and time again. Why? Because we're all sinners. And we're falling short of God's glory. Second Samuel chapter 12 is one of the more vivid examples of how sin can affect our lives. Some of you will remember the story where the prophet Nathan confronts David with the story of the rich man taking the poor man's only lamb because the rich man was too selfish and too much of a sinner to use one of his own. And the Bible says that David's anger burned against that kind of man as Nathan shared this story. And the Bible says that, Nathan, that, that David's anger just burned within him. And David says that that man should die. What kind of man would do that? What kind of man? And Nathan says to David, what does he say? 
David, you're that kind of man. You're that man. You took was not what was not yours. You took a man's life. You took a man's wife. And you sinned against the Holy God. You are that kind of man, David. With your adultery, with your murder. You're that kind of man. God is saying to every one of us in this room today that you are that kind of person. Oh, listen. You may not have murdered anyone. You may not have physically taken someone else's life. You may not have committed adultery and been unfaithful to your wife, to your husband. But look at the fifth chapter of Matthew and what Jesus says. Verses 21 through 28, I believe. Jesus says, if you hate someone and you have murder in your heart, you've murdered them. Jesus says, if you've lusted after someone in your heart, you have committed adultery. Every one of us, including me, we are all sinners. We've committed adultery. We've committed murder. We're sinners. We're fallen. We're that kind of person. We are a sinner. Second Samuel 12 is a backdrop of Psalm 51 where David, he confesses his sin. You remember that beautiful psalm? And David says, what does he say? He says, against you, God, and you only have I sinned. I sinned against you, holy God. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation so that I can teach sinners to repent. David was a great sinner, but he knew how to come back to God. He knew how to repent and to turn from his sin and to be broken over his sin. We must confess this same thing against you. Against you, God, and you only have we sinned. How does a beautiful and joyful wedding turn into a bitter and nasty divorce? Where'd he go? It's there. There it is. That's how. Because we're sinners. Because we're selfish, because we're stubborn, because we're sinful. How does a beautiful little life in a mother's womb turn into a selfish and a horrible abortion? Sin. That's how. And by the way, if you've ever voted for anyone who is pro-abortion, you need to seek God's forgiveness. And never do that again. Because abortion is sin. Against a holy God. God forgive us. For our sin. There's good news though. God forgives. The sin of abortion. God forgives the sin of murder. God forgives the sin of theft. God forgives the sin of immorality. Whatever your sin is. God forgives you. Of your sin. That's the good news. Why does a nation fight and kill one another in civil war time and time again throughout history? Because of sin and because of selfishness. 
My wife and I were able to go to watch the movie Friday afternoon about Harriet, Harriet Tubman, a beautiful story of a godly woman who sought to help folks enslaved during that horrible period of American history. She would go from the north and she would travel to the south and she would take back everyone with her who was enslaved. She took her family and her friends and others. What a godly woman. She said this, God did not create humans to own other humans. What a beautiful story. Why did the Civil War happen? Because of sin. Why does civil war rage in our own soul? Because we've fallen short of God's glory and we are a sinner. I began to think about that, that movie, what Harriet Tubman did. I began to think about how God, he came from the north and sent his son to the south to redeem us. He is our greatest emancipator. The Lord Jesus is our greatest abolitionist. He abolished sin on the cross and he receives us and he forgives us. Of our sin. He's going to take us home one day to be with Him in heaven. Listen, the heart of our problem is the problem with our heart. And it's a sin problem. Well, Sam, how do you, or how should we feel about our sin? Well, Eric read it a moment ago. James chapter 4. The Bible says we should be miserable. If you're not miserable over your sin, you do have a problem. We need to be broken before the Lord. James says, let your joy be turned into gloom. Be miserable and be broken over your sin. And listen, that's a good sign when you're broken over your sin because it demonstrates that you want to repent of it. Change your mind about it. It leads to a change of action. Turning from your sin and turning to Christ and seeking His forgiveness. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23 You see, again, our sin is ultimately against a holy God. When we sin, when I sin, when you sin, we're sinning Not only against one another, we're sinning ultimately, most importantly, we're sinning against a holy God who cannot even bear to look upon sin. When His Son was strung on the Roman cross, the Father had to turn away and the sky turned black and the earth shook. And Jesus said on the cross, He said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was alone on the cross. Because the Father could not even look. Because God is a holy God. He's a holy God. And when we sin, we sin against a holy God. We need to be broken over our sin. God must judge our sin. And he has. That's the good news in all of this. Prophet Isaiah says, By his stripes we've been healed. He was crushed for our iniquities. 
He went to the cross for you. For you and for me. And he's dealt with our sin. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. He's dealt with our sin. The good news in all of this, Jesus is the answer to our sin problem. Amen. He's the solution to our addictions. God has called every believer to be soft and light in our dark world and to get involved in the sin problem of our world, to get involved in civic matters, in our government. God created and instituted the government, by the way, and we need to have a Christian influence in our government and do something and be a doer of the Word. Get engaged and confront sin in our world. Witness for Christ. And we can't be a witness. We need to be if we are allowing our sin to dominate and to paralyze our life. You can't be a witness for Christ if you're broken down and beat up by the enemy all the time. You have victory over the enemy. Do you not know that? I know you do. We need to empower, allow allow God to empower us and strengthen us to give us that victory. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? God loves you. He wants to forgive you of your sin every single day. Lord, forgive me of my sin because I have a problem. No matter what you've done, no matter what sins you have committed, God can forgive you of every single one of them, past, present, and future. We serve a loving God who loves us with an unending love, undeserved love, for by grace, you have been saved. He loves you. Listen, I'm just a nobody, somebody said. I'm just a nobody trying to tell anybody about somebody. And that somebody is Jesus. He loves you so much. He can fix my sin problem. He can fix your sin problem. Because He is a Savior of sinners. Amen? He is a Savior of sinners. So as we stand today and sing, I'm inviting you to come to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Him in a personal way, ask Him to forgive you for your sin. Guess what? He will say to Him, I believe what you did for me on the cross, that you went there for me, you died, you rose again, And you're at the right hand of the Father praying for me today. You've forgiven me. And ask Him to enter into your life and to forgive you of your sin. He will. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Amen? As we stand, as we sing, our pastors will be here at the front to receive you. Give your life to Christ today if you never have.